No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community with the mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop, join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our tots on target. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Mary and I are so excited about this podcast we're sharing with you today because we sat down with an amazing teacher and now a stay-at-home mom, Jamie Yanuzzi. She has an Instagram account called Teach, Talk, Inspire, where she shares a lot of her ideas and her passion for learning and teaching through play opportunities. She now does that with her own daughter and has great recommendations of how to structure playtime and how to use different play opportunities, games, activities, arts and crafts for your toddler or preschooler to learn new information, new ideas, new things about the world that are age-appropriate skills for them. Again, thanks for joining us. You're going to learn a lot in this podcast today. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And also leave us a comment or a rating so other parents and professionals can find us more easily. Hi, Jamie. We're so excited that you're here today. We have been looking forward to this interview for some time. Allison and I are both followers of Teach, Talk, and Zire, And we are so thrilled to be chatting with you today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I am big fans of your account as well. So this is just so exciting for me. Perfect. So we want you to tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and how you began Teach, Talk, Inspire. Sure. Uh, so hello, my name is Jamie. Thank you so much. Um, I actually started Teach, Talk, Inspire about seven years ago, which is so crazy to think about because how I started has evolved and it kind of has changed with my life. <laughs> but it's been a really nice way uh, to connect with everyone in different stages of life. So I started Teach, Talk, Inspire as a predominantly teaching blog when I was in my first grade classroom. And I used it to share activities and resources that I would make for my own students in hopes of connecting with other elementary teachers out there. Um, I worked with a really great group of teachers, but I was always looking for other teachers who wanted more hands-on activities and wanted to do things in a different way that maybe I wasn't seeing um, in in um, in my own classroom or, or in my own school, I should say. And I used Teach, Talk, Inspire originally as a way to connect with teachers really all over the world. And so that was fantastic. And then about, oh my gosh, it is over two years now. Two years ago, uh, my family and I moved from New Jersey to Florida and I left the classroom. So I came down here and I became a stay-at-home mom to a then 10-month-old baby. Um, and looking back now, it's just crazy how far we've come. So Teach, Talk, Inspire then turned into a place where I could share our day-to-day -day with my daughter, uh, the activities we were doing together, as well as now uh, resources that I'm creating to almost 
homeschool her in in a way. So it really has evolved with my life, but it's a place where I can share activities that we do um, as a family with my toddler. That's so great. And I noticed just sort of like looking through your Instagram account, um, in your profile, you mentioned that you're passionate about sharing educational activities before and after nap time. So can you elaborate on like, what does that mean? And why, you know, why nap time? It's it's just so funny to think about, but uh, staying home with your uh, child, nap time becomes just like your time. It's your time. Yes. <laughs> catch your breath, catch your breath, um, clean. Or if you work at home, like I do as well, it's your time to just hustle through things. So what my account started to become were was a place for me to share the activities that was kind of getting me to nap time or getting me um, to after nap time, you know, that kind of lull in between nap time and dinner time where you start to look at yourself and your child or your children and you're like, hmm, well, what are we going to do now? <laughs> um, but I also wanted to make sure that I was filling our days with worthwhile activities, meaningful activities, and things that were going to be appropriate for her to teach her and to get her to reach important milestones. Um, that just is something that I've always been passionate about as an educator, just reaching milestones and figuring out kind of what should she be doing and what should she be exposed to at a certain age. So mm -hmm. the activities that I do before and after nap time are fun, but they're also um, rooted in that, you know, what should my child be exposed to? What should they be able to do at a certain age? I love that. And definitely, you know, being a mom myself, I remember that nap time, you're right. It was, it was just a treasured time, for, I think for my own uh, mental health for sure. Um, so I love that idea of, you know, being able to do meaningful activities with your kids in that space before and after. And I think all moms can relate to that and can, you know, we want to be able to fill that time with things that are quality and meaningful. And so I love how you put that in before and after nap time, because I think a lot of parents can relate to that. It's such like a turning point in your day. You know, yes. you have I like to think of our day as like chunks of time. So that chunk before nap time and then that chunk after nap time. I think also for many moms or dads, people that are home with young kids all day, the hours can just like flow into each other and the day can feel very long if there's no sense of structure. Um, and I'm sure a lot of parents are now experiencing that even more so with their toddlers now because maybe beforehand they were able to like, okay, let's go out to the playground or let's go walk around a mall or let's go hang out with a friend in the morning and then we can come home and eat lunch. But now with the endless numbers of hours that are just at home during the day all day for children to have some semblance of structure and normalcy is really important for them. It's so important. I couldn't agree with you more. And even though I've been lucky, you know, I've, I'm very lucky that I was able to spend the, t the time home with my daughter, but it's true. Now things have changed. Before we were going out to the library or to play dates or to the park or just to run errands. Um, so those activities were kind of spursed in between those outings that we did. And now with the current climate and the situation with, that we're staying safe at home, those hours really are even longer because you want to spend the time doing meaningful activities, but we're not breaking up the day with, with leaving the house. So things have really changed for so many families now. Uh, so I am thrilled that I can share activities to hopefully help 
uh, parents have fun with their kids, but also educate them at the same time at home. Yeah. And I see you, I mean, you have so many amazing activities throughout your Instagram feed. What ages do you feel are you, you're targeting the most? Is this more like toddler, toddler preschool or? I, I would say that right now, because the, the account and all the activities I share are for my daughter. So okay, I, yeah. I work for my tiny audience. I always okay. say she's my, she's my student. Right. <laughs> um, so where my account used to really reach was that elementary age group. But now I focus on activities for toddlers and into preschool because a lot of these activities can be adapted uh, based on what your child's needs are. So I would say that's definitely my range is that toddler preschool age group. Yeah. And I also noticed like so many of your activities are really playful and fun. And obviously you're, you know, <laughs> they're geared toward your, your little ones. So, you know, they're a lot of fun, but I'm just wondering how, you know, as a teacher, how have you seen that play can really support learning? I mean, I guess both in the classroom in which you worked and then also home with your daughter, how does play support? Absolutely. I love that question. Um, I, I'm such a, this is such a passion of mine, but I always say play is learning. Learning through play is the most important thing. So even if I do set up different activities for us to do, if it goes into uh, her playing on her own, I let her go because I feel like children learn through play so that the learning through play is just the most important. Um, Children learn through play because it reflects their experiences. They are problem solving when they're playing. They are using their imagination when they're playing. They are building new vocabulary when they're playing. So even though I set up activities, I always want to do it in a playful way because play-based activities and, and play-based learning is just so powerful, especially for uh, our toddlers, our preschoolers, and our elementary kids. It's so important for our elementary uh, children, excuse me, to be playing with their learning because it's just, it's their way to engage in new experiences and it's what they're comfortable with. So I try to create an environment that shows my daughter how powerful play is and how much I, how much of the importance I put on play. So, um, all of our activities, it's almost like an invitation to do them. Um, I invite her to do these different activities, or I set up a play scenario where I would like her to do these activities. But if she wants to go off in her you know, imaginary land with her baby dolls, and then we can bring her baby dolls into learning about numbers, that's even better. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I'd love a teacher's perspective. We've, we've gotten asked about babies or toddlers or preschoolers' attention spans for learning activities, ah. for educational activities. I would love to hear what your perspective is and, and what is your outlook because I, I love that you're talking about how you let your daughter continue. You're not pulling her back necessarily into the learning environment. No, I definitely don't. Um, it, I love this question, because, but it also, something I just want to preface is that every child is different. So that means that every child's attention span or interest or engagement level will depend on the child. 
for a toddler, for my daughter who is almost three, I would say for a two to three-year-old, I would expect anywhere from three to eight minutes of attention to an activity. Now, that may mean an initial introduction to something, and then maybe you introduce something, they do something for three to eight minutes or three to five minutes, then you break it up and have them come back. For a first grader, I would say 10 minutes or 15 minutes, but then also giving them that break and to come back. I think that um, every child, like I said, varies, but that toddler preschool age, I would go anywhere from three to eight minutes, and then that's that's as much as I would expect. Um, I see a lot of activities where people talk about their child engaged in it from 30 to 45 minutes, and is that possible? Absolutely, but I think a lot of components have to go into that. Their interest in the activity, um, is it hands-on, is it more open-ended, whereas you're not talking to them, you're allowing them to kind of just explore the activity on their own and make of it what you what they want it to be. So when you have that kind of open-ended activity or open-ended play, their attention to the activity is going to go for longer. Um, so like I said, it really depends on the child. But if my daughter does an activity for five minutes, I call it a success if it's something that I feel like she got out of it and maybe she wants to come back to it later. And I think that that's great. If a child was not showing so much interest or showed interest for a few minutes and then not, would you recommend or what do you do yourself going into another sort of educational activity or allowing more of that free play in that process? What do you do at home? I think the my best advice right now for a lot of parents who are staying at home maybe longer than they usually do, um, they're home from work, they're working from home, there's a lot of different pressures on them, a lot of stress, know that they're doing a great job, <laughs> first of all. Um, also, I like to say that a parent is their child's first teacher. They know their child the best. Uh, so give yourself some time to kind of take a step back and observe your child. What So what does that look like? Um, what toys do they gravitate towards? What kind of activities do they enjoy and spend the most time doing? Do they like to color? Do they like to play with trucks or uh, dolls? Do they like to build things? Do they, they like to knock things down? So I think giving yourself some time just to really sit back and observe your child playing is so important. So once you've kind of gathered that information and you figured out, okay, well, I think my child really likes to build. Then you know maybe an activity with blocks or with magnetic tiles or things like that might be more appropriate and then that's where you hone in on them. So once you've been able to observe them and figure out what they are interested in, you have such powerful information. And I also think something that parents can be doing to benefit themselves is setting up the play space for play, for learning. So that actually might mean taking away some toys <laughs> and only leaving a few out at a time. Um, I know that I have made this mistake so many times and thinking that more is better because she has more options, um, more things to play with, and she won't 
be bored. But the fact of the matter is kids can get very overwhelmed very quickly. So if you're looking around, if you have a playroom or maybe if you have toys in the living room or if you have toys uh, in their bedroom, they may have too many things to choose from and it's overwhelming to them. So I, I would suggest starting uh, just to kind of rotate toys. So if you have a closet or um, even underneath the bed, take some toys out and just have a few out at a time to see which ones they like to play with. So uh, I think, again, observing what they like to play with, taking some time to really set up the play space so that it's um, easier for them to navigate by taking some things away. And then also modeling how you want them to play with toys or how you want them to play with the blocks or engage in different things like that. Um, I don't think, I think kids have such a, um, they have such a strong ability to play on their own and to tap into their imaginations, but some kids really need to be shown how to do that. So the modeling, how to play with a play kitchen, how to play with blocks, how to play with dolls, how to create art from, you know, just everyday supplies, that modeling is really important too. So just to kind of bring it all together, observing your child, setting up the play space and modeling how to play are some things that parents right now can really do to help their child. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of my own children. I have four of them. And so they each play a little bit differently. Absolutely. But- Right. And every child really does play differently. But what what would you say to the parents? Because I definitely have at least one child who is like this, who really doesn't click with a toy necessarily. Like it's, it's hard for them to engage in imaginary play or find play on their own. And I know for myself, that could be very difficult to constantly be involved in the play, especially if you have your own stuff to do on the side or you have more than one child at home. Is it something that you feel a parent should be involved in or when you have a child who is has a difficult time playing, mm-hmm. do you have any recommendations? So I think that my, my first thought is that they need to build the confidence to to, to play. And that can also be that they want the time with you. So that's their way of saying, okay, I want, I want my mom or I want my sibling or I want my dad. So I would almost suggest setting a specific special time of day where like, this is just our one-on-one time to play. So you can give them a few options and set a timer for 10 minutes and say, okay, this is our one-on-one time, do you want to draw? Do you want to build? Do you want to go on a nature hunt or like collect things in the yard? Um, Do you want to bake or something that gets them excited and they know it's their special one-on-one thing to do with you for that 10 minutes? Um, And then show them ways that they can do this on their own. Say, okay, um, this was the 10 minutes and now I'm going to go off and do the laundry for 10 minutes, but I will be in the laundry room. What are you going to do while I'm doing laundry? So like showing them that where you're going to be and asking them, what are they going to do while you're working or while you're doing, while you're cleaning up or while you're uh, taking a phone call, having that kind of explicit language will really help your child understand, okay, I had my 10 minutes or I'm going to have my 10 minutes. This is what mom's doing. I need, that's her job. My job is now to play. So it's almost like you have to instill that language in them that 
their job is to play, where mom's job is to do something else. Um, I love that. I love those suggestions. They're they're actually very helpful to me, even personally. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Absolutely. What would you say the educational standards are in the toddler years? That's a great question. And I think, I don't know if there is one set answer. I think that this can vary state by state, just like a lot of educational standards right now. So something I recommend, and this is how I honestly create activities for my daughter and I create the resources that we use. And I'll talk a little bit more about those later, but I go on to, I'm in Florida. So I use the Florida early learning standards website. And and if everyone has access to this website uh, for their state, and there are early learning standards from birth to eight months, eight months to eighteen. Um, I'm sorry, to eighteen months, eighteen months to twenty four months, two to three year olds, and etc. Um, but these early learning standards are really a guideline for things that your child should be exposed to. Um, it's very similar to standards that I would use in the first grade classroom when I was creating lesson plans for my students. I like to think of standards as what should I expose my child to? So it may not be something that they can absolutely master, but it's things that I can expose them to. So right now for the standards for a two to three year old, which is the age range that my daughter is in, we're focusing on recognizing groups of uh, one through five. So she might not be asked to master what is a one, what is a two, what is a three, what is a four, what is a five, more, well, what does a group of three objects look like? What does a group of four objects look like? Um, and then she is not expected at her age to master the alphabet and all of the alphabet sounds, but it's important to expose her to the letters in her name. So we do a lot of play with letters in your name because Per the standards, that's something she should be exposed to at this age. So I like to think of the standards as a guide for parents, for educators, that a child should be exposed to these skills and strategies at a certain age. Um, I don't want any parent to think that, oh my gosh, if I go on this website and my child can't do X, Y, Z, then they're then they're falling behind. Uh, it's really more about exposure. So what are these skills that I should expose my two-year-old? I should expose my one-year-old to and what kind of activities can I create around those standards that will help expose my child to them? It's interesting also because in, in the past several decades, educational standards have changed. Yes, it has. And they're constantly changing. Okay. So they are constantly changing. So I think that my youngest is three and a half and mm -hmm. I think she recognizes some of the letters in her name. I think she knows what some of them are. Because every kid is different. And that's why I say expose them to it and not master. Okay. And I, and I do think that that's helpful because your whole model of learning through play is about just experiencing yeah. the information, not necessarily like, okay, let's sit down and grill you on, show me that number <laughs> one. Show me. You could do it. <laughs> No, that will backfire in 0.5 seconds. <laughs> right. And and this is almost the opportunity in this early home time with mom, dad, a babysitter, even if they're in daycare, hopefully, that they're just enjoying this new information and they're just experiencing it without 
being tested on it. That's a great way to put it. Uh, and I think that a lot of these experiences and the you know, invitations to play or the activities that you can create with your kids, even if you have these skills and standards in the back of your mind, just know that, like you said, it shouldn't be a test. It shouldn't be, okay, by the third birthday, you should know all of your shapes. No, it's okay. Well, maybe today we want you play with different shapes or we talk about the shapes we see on our car ride because I think at your age, it's appropriate for you. So that's more of how I like to think of it just as a guide of things that I point out or I play around with. And I think that that's what parents should do too, because we don't, we don't need to be testing our, our young kids. We want them to fall in love with learning. We want them to fall in love with reading. That's actually something that I say a lot, and I want to reiterate here too, is that uh, as a parent, as a caregiver, as a teacher, especially with our toddlers and our young preschoolers, if you are talking to your kids, if you're reading to your kids, and if you're playing with your kids, then you're doing a great job because that's so much of talking, playing, and reading is what they're going to learn from. I like those examples also of you using opportunities throughout the day in a car ride or, you know, even like, okay, let's count one, two, three, and we go down the slide, something like that, where you're (laughs) incorporating it into their day. So you might not be taking that extra time to say, okay, this is learning time. It's experiential throughout the day. Absolutely. Uh, we like to use a lot of little moments. I call it like in the education world and you could call them teachable moments. And that's a big, big thing of what we do here. And what I like to share on my account too, it's, you know, a lot of activities are planned, but then some of the best learning is spontaneous and things that you can do throughout the day. You're like, oh, wait a minute. This is something I want to share with you. So those teachable moments are so important. That's great. What materials that a a parent might have lying around the house are good to use for those teachable moments that you talked about? Um, So it's really funny that you asked that. The first thing that comes to my mind is something that I did with my daughter in the bath tonight. Uh, We have those plastic bath toys. Uh, We have a different set of animals. So you can have, you know, your bears, your boats, your ducks, whatever, your cups, different colored cups, whatever your child likes to play in the bath. And we play the game called What's Missing. So I ask her to pick four or five different uh, bath toys and she lines them up on the edge of the bath. And then I have her close her eyes and I take one and hide it underneath the towel. And she has to guess which one is missing. Um, And she loves it. She just thinks it's such a fun game. But what she doesn't realize is that it's such an important skill for her (laughs) that she's working on. Uh, She's working on her memory. She's working on visual discrimination. She's working on uh, characteristics. So we're talking about, oh, the blue fish is missing. Or um, we're talking about different uh, ways to categorize things. So if you're doing uh, boats or sea animals, uh, you can talk about the different groups that they're in. So that's all with bath toys (laughs) that I guarantee you have something that your kid plays in the bath with. Um, Other materials that we love to use that everybody has are books. Um, You can play with books in so many different ways. You can order them by size, smallest to largest. You can sort them by color from the pictures on the cover. You can um, 
act out a scene from a book, uh, something, you know, one of your favorites that you read every night you can want to play. Uh, so the, those are just such simple ways to play with things that you have in your house. Other things that we love to use are painter's tape. <laughs> um, you can do we are big fans. Tape. Uh, you can cut painter's tape. You can hang things on the wall for the, your little ones to pull off. Or you can just have your, your young toddlers pulling tape off of walls. And that's so important to strengthen their uh, muscles. So tape, books, bath toys, uh, stickers, you can have uh, your child pick out a favorite favorite stickers that they like and put them on a piece of paper and have them connect the stickers that look alike so they're practicing um, their early writing skills. You can also go outside and have them collect branches or sticks or rocks. Um, and there are just so many learning opportunities to do with those natural materials. You can sort them. You can do art projects with them. Uh, we like to uh, color them with chalk. Chalk is a huge thing for us. So we are doing a lot of activities with chalk and the little treasures that we collect on our nature hunt in our yard or <laughs> our backyard. Um, so it's really about getting creative and my favorite sensory bin of all time, if, if you are a fan of sensory bins, is water. So fill, filling up a bucket of water and adding some, some spoons and measuring cups from your kitchen and I guarantee your toddler will be incredibly happy yeah. when you're older too. <laughs> Last week we couldn't find our sidewalk chalk and they really wanted to go outside and color. So I filled up a bowl of water and brought paintbrushes. And I said, okay, so paint the driveway with water. And it was actually like the cleanest painting that we've ever done. It was great. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's, it's little things like that that just make ice. Um, we love to paint ice. So you take ice and you throw it in a bin and then take some paint and paint ice. And that's just super easy, but also so fun and something you always have. Uh, so I like to, I like to raid my pantry a lot and, <laughs> and use some food dye and, and dye thing, you know, color things that uh, are close to expiring. So <laughs> that's something we do a lot too. Yeah. Well, Jamie, this is so great because I just feel like you pair it, you just pair it so nicely. It's learning, it's fun, it's play, it's, you know, all of that all mixed into one fun time with your little one. So I think that's so, <laughs> yeah, I think that's so wonderful. So, I mean, you're going to have to definitely tell our listeners where they can find you because you have so many good ideas and I think that they would love to follow you and, and see what you're doing. So where can they find you? I really appreciate you saying that. Um, there are a few places you can find me. I love hands-on activities and really simple setups. And if you are interested in that, I I share most of that on my Instagram feed. So you can find me on Instagram at Teach Talk Inspire. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also find me on Facebook. And then my website is teachtalkinspire.com. And I try and share a lot of activities that we do on a daily basis. But I also go into a little bit more depth on my site of printable resources that I create. Mm -hmm. So uh, going along with the standards conversation we have, I do try and create monthly learning 
packets that have 12 to 13 hands-on activities. Right now, they're for two to three-year-olds, but my hope is that I will be expanding that in the future. So I have those printable resources in my Teachers Pay Teachers store, also by the same name of Teach Talk Inspire. And there are different printable activities and printable resources that you can find in that store that I sell. Uh, and you can always access that from my website or from my Instagram or my Facebook page as well. Perfect. So that's great. So they could follow along on Instagram to see your sort of your day to day, and then they can visit your teachers pay teachers accounts for some of those downloads that they could use. Yes, I would love that. And then you can play and learn alongside with us because we're always doing our activities and showing them on Instagram. <laughs> I definitely plan to. I need to. I need to really take some inspiration from your account for my three-year-old because she needs a little bit more of my attention. And I think some of your ideas are, I'm definitely doing the painting on ice for sure. I'm doing that tomorrow. Oh, oh, and, that. oh my gosh. And have you ever rescued anything from an ice cube before or from oh, a block? No. Oh my gosh. If you, if your little one has like any little toys, we've done this with little penguins or um, we've done this with little insects and you fill up a bowl with water and throw those toys in and freeze them overnight. And then you have to have, your little one has to try and rescue them with some warm water and some salt. Huge hit. Big science experiment. Wow, well. it is. Wow. Science mixed into the learning right here. This is amazing. And all they think is like, oh, how did my toys get in there? Oh, my gosh. I love that idea. I love that. That's so great. Well, this has been so wonderful, Jamie. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I, we learned a ton, and I, I, I definitely, I encourage all our listeners to go and find you on those on Instagram and through your, um, your website and your Teachers Pay Teachers account because you are just a wealth of knowledge. You're creative, and most of all, the activities are fun. So awesome. they should definitely check you out. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Talk to you soon, Jamie. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information, and since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or a local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.